You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Scoped Out Shooting Optics and Accessories. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. My name is Rusty. This is episode number 59. And in this episode, joining me via Skype are the Swamp Donkeys. How are you, gentlemen? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Yeah, good. Thanks, Rusty. Excellent. So uh, let's uh, clarify what that actually means. Uh, on the line, we have Andy McNeil, who's joined us uh, previously. How are you going, Andy? Yeah, good, Rusty. Yourself? Excellent, mate. And that's the uh, the voice you'll hear there. And then also um, the other member of uh, the Swamp Donkeys is uh, Scotty Patel. How are you, Scott? Yes, good, Rusty, mate. Good to be here. Excellent. Great to have you on. Um, so we're uh, we're here to have a bit of a chat about the uh, Gunslinger New Zealand event uh, that was earlier this year. Do you want to give us a bit of an overview of that? Oh, well, basically, um, we first heard about it from Greg Hamilton, and um, he persuaded us to go over there, and we got chatting to a few of the guys over there, and basically it was just all field shooting, which is right up our alley, obviously, mm-hmm. so... Um, pretty much they just hand you a piece of paper and you go walking around shooting targets. So it sort of takes you away from the whole range aspect of shooting. Sure. So, so it's um, totally different to what we're used to. And heading over there was pretty much the best comp that I'd been to um, overseas anyway. So, but they, they were holding them once a year and they link in with a few of the other guys from New Caledonia. So they run a silhouette sniper shoot. So they sort of bounce off each other, sending... Um, shooters and members over to compete in each one okay cool so and so you when did you go originally uh we went in 2015 the first time yep um and obviously this year and then so. then this year as well excellent and yeah and andy was this this you went to the other one as well yeah mate um scott myself and greg all went over in uh 2015 and they didn't hold one in 2016, and then this year, um, Scotty and I went over again, obviously, and we also had um, Jason and Tyson come with us this time, uh, yeah. as well as uh, Scotty's old man, to um, as a bit of a cheer squad. <laughs> <laughs> to, to carry the gear? Yeah, that's right. Our <laughs> little <laughs> Sherpa. <laughs> Fantastic. And so, uh, um, perhaps if you can give us a little bit more um, on the, the event, so it's, it's held on... Yeah, obviously not on a range, on a sort of just on a property, I guess. Yeah, so it's um, basically held out at the Sparrowhawk Training Facility, um, which is run by RIT, and it's essentially a cattle property, um, working cattle property. That they run a lot of training there. They do some stuff with the the NZ military and things like that, and run the comp there. And it's a very free form sort of event, um, not the square range that we're typically used to over here. Um, mm-hmm. being uh, a bit more like what the, the PRI is in that sort of respect in the fact <clears> that it's spread out over a, a pretty good distance and things like that and it's um, yeah field firing positions and things like that so not necessarily off perfect flat bits of ground and um, undulating terrain and things like that so you've got a little bit extra to deal with sometimes. Yeah, so very much a, a, a um, simulation of, of proper hunting. Yeah, so definitely um, realistic shooting conditions and things like that that you'd experience, um, you know, when you're doing hunting and things like that. And is it predominantly a long-range event? Or, I mean, I've, I saw a few photos, so I've got an idea that it's not all just uh, just distant stuff. 
No, well, the, the first year they had a shooter and operator um, pairing. So I think Andy went over as the shooter in 2015. I went over as the operator. So the operator was pretty much just shooting at a six, 700 metres most of the time. And the shooter was obviously shooting all the, um, the further distances from then on. But this year they just had pretty much two, two shooters. So everybody shot the same targets and it went out to, I think it was the 1200 and then you had your qualifying stages after that. So pretty much everyone was on the same playing field this year. Yeah, brilliant. So, um, but you guys shot some, some other rifles, not your long range rigs? Yeah, that's that's right. They also had the, the carbon qual shoot there that we decided to um, have a go at this year, um, which was just shooting some of the ARs that were essentially um, common guns or something like that. We used them last time for a couple of the shoots as well, but uh, this time, obviously, being two precision shooters and no operator, um, we used our own rifles for the for the well for all of the competition outside of the the carbon qualification shoot, which was the uh, only time we ran the, the common guns. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And so, um, I mean, not being familiar with the qualification side of things, what what did that entail, or what what aspect of the competition was that? So that was essentially outside of the regular scoring uh, of the competition. Um, the carbine shoot was a, a set shoot, and then the qualification stages were essentially a thousand, twelve hundred, uh, a mile, and two thousand meters, which essentially you got five shots to have it a go at the target. For right. the 1,000 and the 1,200, you had to hit at least two out of the five to, mm-hmm. to qualify or get the qualification. And the, the one mile and the two kilometre, um, 2,000 metre stage, you needed to hit it at least once out of the five. Um, and they also had a, a milk jug challenge, I believe, this year, but we didn't actually get time to have a go at that one. And so is that that's run um, in parallel to the event as a separate sort of thing? Yeah, sort of... It was supposed to run every afternoon, um, sort of after the standard competition, but just with uh, weather and things like that, it really only got run on the the Sunday and then on the I think the Thursday or the Friday prior to everything really kicking off. Yeah, right. So that's it... probably one. Of the, sorry, uh, that was probably one of the ones things that we would change. We'll go back and chat about it later, obviously, but that's probably the one thing that Andy and I were pretty. Uh, disappointed about because that was one of the things that everybody was really looking forward to and it was run really different compared to what the first 2015 uh, match was so we'll talk about that one later obviously but that there was the main thing that that disappointed us i think out of the whole the whole shoot yeah okay no problems and, and probably one of the things that we uh we haven't mentioned yet is uh the result how you guys actually went yeah, no, we we end up we end up coming away with the win. Uh, we shot pretty we shot pretty consistently. Yeah, nice. Um, so when we um, when we found out it was all obviously going to be self scored and that we sort of just went out there to compete against ourselves, obviously because we weren't really a fan of the whole self scoring thing. Um, but we pretty much just looked at each other and said, "Oh, we'll just compete against ourselves, have a bit of fun, have some fun with Tyson and Jason that over there it was their first time and end up uh, working out for us." So. Yeah, right. So congratulations, guys. Good to have the Australians over there in, uh, and representing well. So uh, good ambassadors for it. Good job. Um, I do know that we do have some uh, New Zealand listeners, so we'll uh, just, just make sure that they know that the Australians won their shoot. Um, <laughs> Rub it in a little bit. Let's <laughs> <laughs> make sure we just hold on that point for a few moments. Um, 
and and so look, there's a couple of things you mentioned there, obviously with the qualification side of things and um, and the self scoring. So it's it's clearly run a bit different to the comps, the the PRS and the PRIs and the NT shoots that we're perhaps a little more familiar with here. What would be apart from the the actual range setup, obviously being a, a sort of field firing positions setup. Um, how did it actually run, and, and how is that different to what we're perhaps more familiar with here? Um, so the way it's probably run is essentially you get handed a, a course of fire or the match brief, and for the most part, last year, last time we went in 2015, it was a little bit different for the the cross-country day, essentially was um, about oh, 8 or 10 k's there about, you reckon, Scotty? Yeah, it would have been close to that, yeah. yeah. So there, uh, there's, which, Sorry, mate, how, how many days does it run over? Uh, basically over two to three days, like Friday through to the Sunday, essentially. Okay. Finishing up on the Sunday. Um, and last time there was a big cross-country day, which was out and basically up one ridgeline, saddle a bit of a mountain and back down another and shooting out off the ridgelines. This time it was predominantly like the year before that that Greg went to um, where most of the stages were set up along the side of the road and you walked out and there were basically stages along the side of the road. Okay. Um, how it differs compared to a lot of stuff here is with a lot of it there's no necessarily set firing points so you can sort of move around a little bit um within reason to pick where you want to shoot from um with some stages and a lot of it is unknown distances and you you might have a range brief that gives you a stage description and a a rough idea of target distance but you have to range uh all your targets yourself so um having a range finder was absolutely critical there was there was no way around it compared to over here where a lot of the stuff is either given distance or an unknown distance where you're not allowed to range it and you've just got to sort of work within that limitation yeah sure sure and so um uh and and so but i guess aside from that it runs fairly similar where you'll you'll go through a number of stages given a certain brief yeah well it's pretty much how the same as your PRI, pretty much. How was run with the ones that were actually had ROs on the stand. So you'd rock up, you'd get a brief, and then they'd fill you in on the course of fire and, and away you'd go. But they pretty much were only there for the, the skill set stages. All the rest was just uh, a piece of paper with your course of fire and you just went through and done your own thing. So I think there was only three or something like that that was actually ROed, Andy, or something like that. And they were Yeah, I think it was the, the three. It was just basically the PRS skill stages, which were at sort of either end of the course. Okay. Um, yep. that were actually RO'd and supervised. The rest, essentially, you're out there doing your own thing, basically. Yeah, right. Okay. And, and um, look, we'll get into the stages shortly. One of the, the things you mentioned, uh, having a rangefinder, uh, was absolutely critical. Um, what else were you running in terms of equipment-wise? Well, it's funny you ask, because I had to bring everything, and Andy just had nothing. So he was bringing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some Somehow yeah. I'm not sure about that. Oh <laughs> uh, look, there, you know, there's a lot of stuff we should have brought. Um, or well, I should have brought. I think I turned yeah. up there with the data book, a Kestrel, and my rangefinder, and that was it. Um, yeah, right. I had my yeah. bag, and then he's gone. What? Why are you getting under your weight limit so easy? I said, Ah, oh, dude, it's just I'm just pretty good, man. That's all. <laughs> but I just took nothing. Yeah, yeah right. And meanwhile, I'm carting everything around. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What? What makes up your pack, Andy? I'm Obviously, we've heard all of Scott's pack. Um, pretty typical sort of stuff um, that you, you know run a lot of competitions. Obviously, you got your Kestrel, um, 
run a data book with um, just backup data as far as um, like a whiz wheel or something along those lines just in case the um, your electronics go down. Yep. Um, you're away from your vehicle pretty much all day, so something you carry a bit that we don't normally carry over here is like rain gear and things like that, and obviously with a bit of inclement weather over there, a um, bit of cold weather gear and stuff like that. But sure. otherwise, rangefinder, Kestrel, uh, your ammo obviously, a rear bag. Um, didn't worry too much with stuff like the um, the pump pillows and things like that because you're lugging it all around. It was a little less essential. There was a little less positional work for the most part compared to like a PRS, PRI type event. Most of it was predominantly prone um, okay. with some positional stuff thrown in, but you could sort of make do using your pack and other things like that given that you were spending all day out lugging it around. It didn't sort of come up <laughs> as being a major priority to, to have that stuff with me. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and in terms of rifles, what were you uh, what were you using over there? Um, well, I was actually borrowing some Oravandi stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually, because um, I originally was going to run the AXMC with the three three eight lap mag um, barrel on it, but getting the amount of rounds over there that we needed to actually complete oh, the match right. with was pretty much impossible. So. Um, we had to drop it down to the 300 wind mag, and Andy ran the 260 with his, but yeah, I had to borrow Andy's uh, 300 wind mag barrel and, um, yeah, run that and over rifle. There, so. <laughs> yeah, it's like a rifle too. Yeah, yeah nice. So we're both running basically the, the, the Accuracy National AXs. Um, Scotty had the MC, obviously, that he borrowed, and I was just running the short action version 260, and... Um, both running the the Steiner um, M5XIs at the at the moment, um, so we had both of them on. They were pretty much identical setups, actually. So it made it really easy for um when we if you had to use each other's rifles, they were virtually identical. Yeah, okay. And was it was it a team event or is it individually scored? Uh team. You had individual scores, but it was um it was a team event, so um you, your scores counted together. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And and that's. I mean, if Scott was looking at taking a three three eight, and you were looking at a two sixty, um, what's? I guess we'll find out as we go through the stages. But you know, they seem quite worlds apart in terms of caliber options. What what was commonplace over there? Well, originally we were both looking at taking the long actions, just knowing that there was going to be um, long range quals out to two k. Yep. Um, but as we said, getting back to the the weight of the ammunition and everything like that, it just became a little bit too problematic to, to make that work. So um, knowing that the vast majority of the shooting was sort of 1,300 metres and in, the 260 was more than capable, and then the 300 wind mag, obviously just as good, and then with a bit of extra legs to, to stretch out on those longer shots, obviously not ideal for 2K, but yeah, yeah. Um, still able to get there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, good. And, um, and so it, it would be... Um, it'd be great to cover off on a few of the the stages because I'm guessing at the moment that the stages you said there's some PRS skill stages but they're our road. The other stuff certainly doesn't sound like you'd have lots of movement to it or, or um, huge amounts of transitions. What what was the situation? No, well, the um, most of the other ones apart from the PRS ones, you're right. There's sort of like just a lot of them were stationary and just moving up and down. If you did have to move at all. Yep. Um, the PRS skilled ones, they sort of just introduced them that year to see how they were going and see how people would take to them. Okay. Um, so it obviously worked in our favour because we sort of we yeah. pretty much blitzed all the um, all the skill stages because they're predominantly all the PRS stages that we shoot over here. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, right up our alley. Mm, I would imagine so. So one thing with the PRS skill stages that I noticed is they were running them a little bit differently to how we have over here as far as they had, like the obviously, you know, Rusty with the a lot of the skill stages there, they had that time limit of 90 seconds or thereabouts yes. for each one. And the way they were doing it was a little bit unusual in the fact that they said par was 90 seconds, but they were off, you had a time limit of five minutes. So oh, yeah, right. it was a bit weird. I don't really know how they were working the scoring on that. Um, and that was, that was, I said, that was a little bit unusual. I think they did that purely because a lot of the guys weren't used to it. I think they were giving them a chance to um, be different to what they were used to, get used to it and get familiar with it. And um, obviously some of the guys running three through eights and stuff like that obviously isn't ideal for positional and things like that for short yeah, fast gotcha. stages like yep. those skill stages yeah okay so they're were, they were sort of easing into it perhaps as as where they might head in the future yeah pretty much it certainly it certainly had that bit of a feel to it because um we were rattling through it and you, you were seeing a lot of the other guys taking their time and running well over the 90 seconds but staying under that five minutes um, whereas we're used to the the ninety seconds being the the cutoff, obviously. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you're uh, you're it's all over. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I'm just having a look at a little bit of the matchbook you sent me, and and the first thing I see is night shoot stages one, two, and three. Uh, they're blind stages. What were they? They didn't actually happen this okay, year. Okay, I was going to say because uh, I didn't I didn't recall anything <laughs> about that. So we'll, no, uh, that's the wrong question to ask. A story behind it, but yeah, the the night stages essentially just didn't happen this year. So um, yeah, not much to talk about there. Yeah, right. Okay, we'll, we'll, we shall move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> what um? So there, I mean, it looks like. How, do you know how many stages there were all up? Oh, not off the top of my head. Sorry, mate. I'd have to go through them. And there were a couple that um, got canned and stuff like that due to um, target failures. Like there was one stage that was using electronic targets and just the the moisture from. The mists and everything that we got, particularly oh, really? on the first day, just um, just shut them down. They didn't like it at all. And so stages like that, and then one of the other stages, I actually didn't send you a page because one of the pages that um, was on there was one of the stages that just got cut. Yep, um, just didn't happen. So there was a few that didn't um, eventuate. Okay, so um, I've got one here uh, in front of me called the Punk Stage. Was that was that a good one? And if so, do you want to Let take us through it? it? <laughs> the one with the hearts, diamonds, clubs, spades, targets. Oh, yep. Right, yeah, okay. Or have, so I, have I picked another one that, that didn't go ahead because <laughs> I seem to be doing no, that? No, no, that, 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 that did happen. That was basically just um, – that was spread out along a gully. You basically had um, four steel targets that were obviously in the shape of um, the suits from yep. the deck of cards. And – Essentially, you had to fire. There was only five rounds. You just fired one at each, working your way out, and then there was a there was a set order to do them in. But you basically just worked your way out and then came back on basically on one of the targets. Um, and it was just they were, they were quite small, so they were probably oh, maybe six inches thereabouts. You reckon, Scotty? Yeah, yeah. I think that one there. They were they were definitely under one and a half MOA for the for the distance. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah they, they were spread out from. Um, they were relatively far away, so they were along next near one of the other stages. It was set out sort of along this gully, and I think they started at about five fifty or thereabouts, and out to about seven fifty eight hundred. Yep. By the time you got to the last one, um, it was actually up near one of the right next to one of the targets that we were shooting for another stage, which was around that seven eighty or eight hundred from memory. Yep. Um, so they were quite small targets to to be engaging in. 
obviously with only five shots, it was really a, a matter of hit or miss. There was no chance to correct or anything like that. So Yeah, okay, um, you had to be on it. Yeah, pretty much. If you missed, it was just had to move on to the next one. Yeah, okay, cool. And um, and do you know, guys know how you went on that particular one? Um, <laughs> on that one there, I think I think most of us were getting three out of five. I think I think the yeah, okay. there's something funky happening towards the end there because there's we're shooting in in between a big canyon sort of thing, uh, and there's just a big trough of wind coming through that a lot of people I don't think were picking. We weren't picking it, and it was blowing a lot of rounds around at those okay. last two targets. Yeah, right. So, here we go. I've got it here, Scotty. Uh, Scotty actually got all five hits on that <laughs> He one. was just being modest, eh? <laughs> hey? Yeah, that's right. I've got the scorecard in front of me. I went through back through my phone, uh, and nice. I got three out of the five. I missed two of them. Yeah, so he's talking about you, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember that one. You have to send me that one. Nice. Yeah, no, I just brought it up to actually try and gauge how we went. But, yeah, according to this, you got all five of them, so you're on the money. Yeah, brilliant. Right, let's go. So, uh, Andy, what was your... F- Sort of favourite favourite stage or two uh, that you shot? Um, favourite stage? I mean, I, I enjoyed the PRS skill stages purely because they were fast. Or well, yeah, okay. Yep. Shot the, I shot them fast. Yeah, I see um, that they, they shot all four of them, actually. Yeah, they, they did. I think, can't remember if they did actually shoot all four or whether it was just oh, three be... that we actually shot. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. I'll try, I have to tr- go back and try and have a bit of a look. Or we may have shot them, but they were a minor variation on it. Yeah, um, okay. But the, I, I enjoy the fast stages. Yeah, um, sure. I think for – I know on one of them I actually went up and said, what's the fastest time? Um, <laughs> and then my, my aim was just to, to outshoot that, which I did. So, <laughs> I was, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I just like the, the fast ones. One of the other ones was um, right up on that ridgeline, Scotty, the one that we had to – hike for forever to try and find yeah yeah that was my favorite too that one yeah um that was two popper targets that were about 800 and something meters away it was over 900 yards close to a thousand and it was only a 10 inch and an eight inch popper and you basically had a a choice to shoot obviously the larger one for one point or the smaller one for two um you could alternate between them however you wanted you just had five shots to shoot at them so they were it was just the where it was. It was up on, off a ridge line, shooting across another ridge line, down into a target right at the very bottom of this gully. And um, yeah, it was a tricky little stage, and they were small targets uh, for the distance, so they were they were a bit of fun. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I'm just I'm reading through that one there. Make make my day stage. It was. Um, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. No, that looks good. And, and uh, you you guys went alright on that one. <coughs> um, Scotty did. Oh, I did okay. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I mean... I, yeah, no, well, well, that was actually one of my favourite ones, not because of... Um, it was more so the fact that that was the very first shoot that we had on that second day. So it was going to okay. be a cold ball yeah. shot, and it was at a, a reasonably small target. So just that satisfactory of getting a first-round hit yeah, on a cold sure. at those. And that was pretty much the, the highlight for me, just hearing that. And then I think I got four out of five. I put one on the the large one to get the point of impact and then put three out of four on the, the eight inch. Um, yeah, that's right, mate. You got the first one on the large one, missed the second shot on the small one, then went three for three after that on the small one. Yeah. So that one there was probably just the satisfaction out of it, I think. But the one that I, the second one that I liked was actually the one that I'd done the worst on, I think, which was <laughs> one of the PRS stages. Um, 
That one there was um, they had two eight inch and a ten inch scattered from three sixty to five fifty meters. Yep. And that one there you had you had your ninety seconds again, but you could dial one one range. So you could dial one range and then you had to hold the rest. You couldn't touch a turret and you had to do that right hand and left hand. Yeah, that's and that's the one. Yeah, PRS skills. Same forward. one we did down at the the PRS, I think, down in um Yeah. Yeah, so the only change I think they made to that one was you had to dial one of the ranges and then hold off and then pretty much amateur hour kicked in from then on for the next <laughs> for the next forty five seconds. So yeah, right. pretty much what I think the reason why I like that one was because it actually highlighted a fault that I had to that I had to come back and review, if you know what I mean. So yeah, sort of highlighted a few things I had to touch up on. Oh, I'm, I'm so, guilty of that one as well, mate. I've just been recently working on uh, on shooting just on hold, not not on dialing. So I'm I'm with you on that. It's uh, yeah, you get so used to dialing. Well, that's the thing. I, I I don't mind dialing or holding, but this one here, you had to mix both of them together, and I didn't subtract the difference between what I dialed and what the hold was. So that's, that's yeah. what threw me off. I was just going straight on to hold. But the the one advantage though was being a team event, we were allowed to spot for each other. Yeah, um, sure. So it worked out well in the fact that I actually said that to Scotty while he was shooting. He did the second one, went low, and I went, "Did you?" Have, are you, did you hold the total? Did you minus it? And he sort of fired a second shot just to confirm and then went, oh, no, that's what I've done, and <laughs> yeah, corrected yeah. on it. So it was it was good in the fact that it was a bit of a team thing that we could work together on it, um, you know, which made it still easy to complete it under, yeah, under the time. There was plenty of time there to get the, the stage finished. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. And and any other stages that um, – well, I'm just – I'm looking here. This one's called the Dumb Bastard stage. Um. <laughs> was, uh, we would have done. We would have done awesome at that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Do you recall that one? Uh, it was an IPSC yeah. at uh, an unknown distance, uh, around a thousand meters. Um, yeah. uh, I think that was the one that we um, we actually got told we're shooting in the wrong spot or something like that. It wasn't in. Uh, that, that was the one we had dramas with. I think Andy, wasn't it? Oh, Where no. we were shooting at 20, 20, 20 yeah. meters down from where the firing point was. Oh yeah, there was. It was. This is one of the sort of things that created a bit of dramas in the fact that with some of them, some of the stages had a, a marked firing position, whereas others didn't. And when we turned up to this particular area, there was about three stages spread out in a, a relatively short frontage that you were shooting oh, from, okay. and there was quite a lot of people there. And essentially, it started off when we got there. As far as you'd, you'd lay down and just look at what people were shooting, and go right. They're not. They're shooting this and this, but they're not shooting that. All right, we're going to shoot that, and you just shoot it from where you were and make it work, rather than. Um, and one of the other blokes that was shooting that particular stage from up where you were supposed to came down. And, oh, we're shooting at that target. You're not supposed to be shooting from here, and we kind of it um, a little bit of a disagreement um, in relation to that. But it was just um, that that was the downside a little bit as well of having. Um, multiple people in one area shooting at you know, a large number of targets and things like that. There ended up being a little bit of crossfire and miscommunication and things like that. Yeah, right. So you, you would, um, as a team, you were you know, sort of unregulated. you go through and, and you could shoot the same stage as another team at the same time? or Yeah, well, not really. You were supposed to not obviously shoot it, but that's what I mean as far as there was several cl- really close together as far as like... Um, oh, okay. Yep. Probably about twenty meters, twenty meters spread out along a fence line. There was three or four firing positions for four, three or four separate stages. 
And right. so people were shooting uh, the stage where you were set up on a firing point and one of the other teams was shooting that stage that you were set up on from another firing point. That's where they were because they, they, it just happened to be where they lay down. They decided not to move. Um, okay. um, and that was the problem. Some of them weren't really clearly marked. It was just like a little stake of wood with a bit of ribbon on it. Um, so they were pretty easy for some people to miss and you end up with... Um, like I said, we just laid down and went, all right, well, they're shooting that, that stage and we just watched the other targets and went, well, no one's shooting that one, we'll just shoot that one. Yeah, um, okay. And that yeah. seemed to be all right, but it just... Um, it, it, it was working when we first got there because there was, there was three courses of fire there and about six teams and everyone's just going, well, what are you guys shooting at? And everybody just said, we'll all lay down the line and just shoot what other people aren't. But as other teams filtered through, they obviously didn't know what the rest of us were doing. And yeah, okay. It started following the normal course of fire sheet, and that's where the drama started. It, it, worked <laughs> yeah, out, it worked out in a way because the targets that we were supposed to be shooting at, it was actually adding like 30, 40 metres to what we were supposed to be engaging. So it had its disadvantages, but it just, yeah, it's just one of the downfalls of having that many courses of fire and such a short frontage, that's all. Yeah, for sure, and and also not having not having ROs to, to run. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was and that was... Thing. The other thing was, obviously, you didn't have to shoot stages in any set particular order. Um, so you might walk up to a stage and, you know, some of it was a, a bit of an out-and-back course. So you'd walk up to one and go, oh, no, there's three teams there waiting. We're just going to walk until we hit the next stage and we'll shoot that and we'll hit that one on the way back. Gotcha. Um, yep. So sometimes you'd end up with a bit of a, a – just a bit of a, a funnel where you'd have a few people all together trying to shoot one stage and things like that. Um and generally, you take it in turns, but like I said, with that, with just uh, having a couple really close together, just create a, a little bit of a drama. Yeah, okay. And um, I guess uh, sort of highlights uh, highlights how useful it is having uh, lots of ROs and help, which we are very blessed with over here. Um, and no doubt, you know, that, that thing, uh, that can come on board in, in future times. Um, now, you said it was self-scored. How did that work? <laughs> Uh, well, basically, it's it's sort of how it sounds. They give you a list of all your courses of fire, and you pretty much just rock up to wherever you want. You just start wherever you want. Um, and, you know, I was sort of just looking at whatever the longest shot was going to be. We're trying to work that in with where the sun was going to be and try to work it that way. And yep. that's pretty much what we end up doing. And you, you turn up there, and you just look down and put all your scoring boxes next to that stage. So you pretty much just go through and just follow the bouncing ball sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it's got how many how many um, points each target's worth, and when you hit it, and what sequence, rah, rah, all that sort of stuff, and and you just go but from there. But sounds obviously it's you know you you write down your own score. There's no one actually checking it or anything like that, which yeah. creates its own set of dramas. Mm, yeah, I yeah, can that's, imagine. That's what sort of um, put us on the wrong foot. Uh, the first time, because that was one of the main things we brought up, you know, like nobody likes self-scored shoot because it adds doubt. And if you have prizes that people really want, it sort of, it takes it away from the spirit of the game, if you know what I mean. So, you know. Oh, and I mean, in, in, in fairness, there there aren't really any prizes per se compared to say like the no. PRS or the PRI. In that respect, it's it's more of just a, there's only really a prize. Like this year, there's only a prize for the first place team. That was it. But... I think my biggest issue with the self-scoring is, you know, some people are gonna are gonna dodge it just because that's the nature of the beast. And if you win, it also increases that element to other shooters of, oh, well, did they really win or did you just, you know, 
market whatever you felt like so that you could win. Yeah, um, okay. So it takes away a little bit for me from the victory. Um, sure. The fact that you go, well, we won, but, you know, you, you know there's going to be people there that are going, oh, yeah, they, they must have cheated sort of thing, um, which obviously isn't the case, but that's the, the biggest drama. I mean, I would really like to see, obviously, um, our own stages or even at a minimum um, squatting people together. So squad, yeah. Yeah. you know, some North Island guys or South Island guys or, you know, Aussies with Kiwis and have another team score for you. So may not necessarily eliminate it altogether, but it just adds another layer of um, sort of just to back up what you've actually scored. Yeah, absolutely, being accountable for what, uh, what your score is. Yeah, okay, cool. But it it does seem like, um, look, just looking through the course of fire, it does seem like in general the targets were – uh, further than they were closer on most in most situations. Yeah, definitely. I think. Well, they actually said on the um, uh, the the briefing. I think in 2015 they actually specified what calibers would suit which which um, whether you're the operator or the shooter. Yeah, right. They didn't specify, and I think Andy actually contacted Shane, the match director, and actually asked the question and. We didn't know that there was going to be two shooters. We thought it was still going to be an operator and a shooter, and it wasn't until Andy actually asked um, that we found out that it was going to be two shooters, which pretty much changed everything that we're going to take over. Yeah, it also it also caught a couple of the other guys out, actually, um, that yeah. had gone previously, uh, making the change. Some, Like I said, the way just reading before we even saw a course of fire just didn't sound the same, and I asked Shane that question and um, found out, yeah, it's two precision shooters, whereas last time you could be the operator and a 223 was suitable obviously with the longer shopping yeah i think it was 600 yards or 600 meters yep. um, yeah you could get away with the 223 and so some of the guys actually turned up with 223s and um one guy uh scott actually turned up with a 65 grendel um yeah, which right. you know yep. wasn't too bad but um certainly wasn't um ideal no, it's it's really. I'm just looking through, and really, the uh, the PRS skill stages are the closest one, and everything from there is is further, which which is you know obviously uh, excellent because we don't see that quite so much here at this stage. Um, nice to sort of really be able to stretch the legs on some stuff, uh, but yeah, if you don't you don't know that, it's hard to prep for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Yeah, no, very uh, very good. And how many teams were there? Do you guys know? I think it was nineteen or or um. 21 or something, I yeah, think. Yeah, wow, okay. So a fair, a fair crew of shooters. Actually, I think there was more than that because there's, there's, um, there's something like 30, 33. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that's about right. I'm pretty sure there was about yeah, yeah, 19 or 20. 20. About 38 or yeah, 40 shooters, somewhere around yeah. there, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. And um, the uh, what else was I going to say? The, um, the qualification stuff. So, so you had, um, let's say, a, a, I'm roughly guessing about a dozen stages or so you shot through um perhaps a few more there and and then the qualifications ran separate to that they weren't included with the scores that's right yeah okay yeah. so so there was distance ones and then you said the carbine um qualifications what was that uh, to do with so the, the carbine one was um pretty much i think it only went out to 500 and we pretty much just had course guns so to speak you just picked them up and loaded up ammo and just ran with the course of fire i think it was five shots at, a, at each position out going up to 100 meters from 500 i can't remember the exact course of fire but it was pretty much actually i think yeah. you had 60 rounds didn't you had 60 rounds oh uh, it, it varied there was yeah. some close stuff that was standing 
that involved a little bit of movement. And then there was a, a longer course, which was from 500, 400, and then 200, I believe, or something along those yeah. lines. Um, the downside to that was we were running um, guns we were unfamiliar with. We had no data for it. They were supposed to, they were, they were zeroed roughly, but we had no data for the ammunition. So even the, the, the funnily enough, the box of ammo we got, I think was 63 or 65 grain 223 ammunition and the drop data on the box um, was for 55 grain and oh. it only went out to 300 meters. Oh, so even the, <laughs> even the data we did have didn't apply. So like the stuff at 500 meters, we really were just um, winging it and trying to use the, the team aspect as far as, as far as having someone behind us. Luckily, we brought a spotting scope sure. and we're trying to call some, if we saw some misses, try and call you back on the target because it really was just a, a wild guess at that point. So it was just ghetto shooting. Yeah. <laughs> Are they, they run as a bit of like a side competition just for the hell of it type thing. Yeah. yeah I think it's just a, like a bit of a qualification stage just to get that qualification badge and they set standards. They set scores, achieve a certain level of marksmanship essentially. And, and are they run prior to the comp or like you're not qualifying to be able to shoot the comp, are you? No. Okay, so you just you qualifying for the uh, just you know to award the patch or award the uh, the tick in the box, um, you know, see essentially, you yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. And so the the long range uh, qualification stuff that was of of similar similar intent then, um, you know, sort of working your way through distances. This is where it varied a bit. The first the first time we went over in two thousand and fifteen, I think the the calls were one thousand twelve hundred and a mile and. Pretty much everybody turned up, all the shooters, and they were just calling two pairs forward, and you would shoot your five rounds, and then step back, and pretty much everybody was watching everybody else shoot, so there was no yeah, okay. getting around anything. But this year, pretty much they just said, whoever wants to shoot this, come up and shoot it. And there were people like having practice shots, and I know there was one there, Andy was shooting, and somebody, I think it might have been Jace, was spotting, and... You could see splash in the spotting scope, but it was from people practicing and just like it, there was no real control over the, the firing line. And it sort of took away the defeat of actually getting a one-mile hit or whatever whatever you got because there was no real control over it. Yeah, you know, some certainly were taking more than five shots to do it. You know, they were having quite a few practice shots getting dialed in and then essentially saying, yeah, I'm ready to go now. And then getting up and shooting when they've already fired you know, however many shots to get set up. Whereas the year before, as Scott said, it was really good in the fact that you lay down, you got five shots and, you know, half the firing line was standing behind you with spotting scopes, um, um, <laughs> yep, which was good. I mean, and it's, it, the, the yeah. qualification stages are really, really fun. They're a good achievement. Um, you know, you're limiting the number of shots. You have to perform, you know, you, you get a certain amount of time. But yeah, it's not... Not a ridiculously short period of time, but you get you know a few minutes to lay down and shoot. You have to shoot under the conditions, and if you can make the uh, you know the achievement and make the shots, you, you got the patch to award it and say you essentially yep. did it. So it's a really fun thing for people to do, and it's actually fun doing it in that group environment, you know, because you had everyone watching. So you know, there's a bit of backslapping, and there was always a bit of the um, sledging going on. Of course, the, yep. obviously the Kiwis and the Aussies, as you'd expect, <laughs> um, which was really good fun. Um, Whereas this year, obviously, had a slightly different dynamic, and um, it, it took away from it a little bit. I think. Yeah. Okay. But um, oh, I've I've seen some of your photos. That this scenery is absolutely stunning of the place. Oh, it's it's brilliant. That was one of the main the main um, attractions over there. 
walking around where there's mist everywhere and you're up high in the hills and all that sort of stuff and you might see a deer run down in front of you like we were sitting there shooting the one mile target and there's deer running around at the bottom of the, the hill and i uh, just took so much energy not to, <laughs> <laughs> not to <laughs> it so, was um it is a spectacular it's a spectacular property to shoot on and obviously yeah. being such uh an open landscape and things like that and with a bit, few, lots of mountains and gullies and stuff. Obviously, as you saw from the pictures, um, it created some interesting, you know, wind and things like that that you had to sort of deal with. Um, it, so it is; it's a spectacular place to go and shoot on. Mm, yeah, absolutely, and that's certainly. Uh, and imagine, uh, you know, it's always good fun being with other shooters and spending uh, a few days, uh, a few days with them like that. Yeah, well, it was good. We 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 um, ran into uh, a bunch of Kiwis that we actually got tagged with. The first year we went around, Scotty, <laughs> Matt, and Scott, and Matt, <laughs> yeah, Matty and Scotty, and um, oh, they're top lads. We um, sort of got shuffled in the same group, sort of thing. They were sort of following us around the first year we went, and uh, the sledging was phenomenal. It was brilliant, but <laughs> it was good catching up with them again this year because it was, I don't know it's just good catching up with people from different countries over there that share the same thing, and they're a good bunch of fellas and good to shoot with too. So that was probably one of my highlights over there as well. Yeah, fantastic. Plus, Matty walked around in shorts the entire time. It didn't matter if it was minus three. He was wearing, he was wearing shorts. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure he said he only owns one pair of long pants. We're all sitting there rugged up, and he's he's wearing his stubbies. And he's, yeah, you know, he's, he's tall like socks. He's there, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. So uh, what you're telling me is uh, if Butters went over, he would struggle significantly. Oh, he would die. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, he'd be all right because he'd bring his mum over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think i think i'll move on from that one that's that's, uh, that's too easy that's too easy that's, uh, oh good nice and um excellent so what's next for you guys where, where are you shooting next uh the nt i think's next um in august yeah yeah it should be uh should be great fun that one are you gonna um get your rifle out and actually come over shoot with us Rusty. that would be uh that's the plan that's the plan that's so the plan. I'm, I'm hoping it all comes together it looks like it should be so um you actually have a, a gun with me for a competition which would be a, a first <laughs> yeah, you haven't been looking forward to being on the um the the trigger rather than the spotting scope for a for a change i you know what i think I, I think i'll lose my way i'll just be going oh is this is there a target i can fix or is there someone i can get on the radio <laughs> to or something because i just i'm not I'm, I'm not in my comfort zone you know <laughs> <laughs> but anyway no it should be uh should be really good and um and it's it's actually good to see there's there's more and more comps uh, popping up in uh, in new zealand as well um, so no, no doubt there will be a PRS over there at some point. I think that'll definitely transition over there at some point. And um, one of the guys was actually staying next to us in the motel, uh, John Mitchell as well. He runs the um, Alpine shooting matches over there. Oh yeah, yep. Um, which sound really interesting as well, um, and starting to take off a little bit. And again, just run on essentially on private property, uh, mainly long range stuff. They got sort of a a short action and a magnum class and things like that. And um, they're sort of limited in the fact that they're spread out as well, but the way they sort of get around it so far from what he was explaining was they uh, squad two ROs or with a squad of, say, six or eight people. Yep. And those ROs will actually travel with you the whole day and score all of your stages. Yeah, um, gotcha. Which is an interesting way of um, sort of overcoming the, 
obviously being quite spread out for some of the stages, but and not having a, an RO for each individual stage necessarily, but still having every stage RO'd. Yeah, yeah, which is a, a good sort of compromise way to do it. So being able to have that that RO that at least you know will have some level of consistency across the uh, across the comp. I think shooting in a squad like that is a bit like the PRS and the fact that there's um, it's it's good fun because you get to chat and, and sort of meet some of the people in your squad and get to know them throughout the day and things like that as you as you go along. Um, whereas that was one thing we sort of noticed particularly this year with uh, Gunslinger. Whilst it was really good for us and we had our we had four of us there and we had a good team dynamic going, we didn't get to interact with the other shooters as much compared to some of the other competitions. Sure. Um, which, as you said, is a great part of the, the shooting, building that community and meeting people from different walks of life and different countries and things like that and getting to know them as you go along. Yeah, well, that's a this is a huge part of why you do the comps, isn't it? So you get to get to meet other shooters and spend time with them and um, and create stories that you're not allowed to talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's all part of the fun. But no, it's it's good, mate. It's I know Gunslinger has been around for a long time, and uh, I know it certainly has. Um, sort of set a lot of uh, things in motion and uh, it's very intriguing to see that they're running sort of more PRS style stages or a few of them as well but still keeping that real long range sort of aspect to it how did any, how did people go on the 2k shoot anyone anyone crack it I think one of the New Caledonians um, got it with his uh, and one of the Kiwis as well he did as well oh, with his, both with three throats yeah because uh, yes. I think that was yeah that was one that um, Jace actually was spotting for him and called him on um he saw oh, one actually, of the impacts. Yeah, yeah. He didn't see the impact, and Jay saw the impact through the spotting scope and mill low and gave him a yeah. correction, and he actually hit with the next shot. So um, right. I know yeah, Jace was really satisfied with that. He almost enjoyed it as much as shooting, sort of getting someone on target that far away and things like that and help getting the correction, um, which is it's a lot of fun when you sort of help someone get, get on a target that far away. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you very much for uh, for joining us this evening and uh, having a bit of a chat about your experiences over there. No doubt we will uh, hear from you again sometime. And uh, very much looking forward to uh, catching up with you guys in Darwin. You know, it would be good to sit and actually have a beer away from the top format and actually relax a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we, we sort of got that a little bit in Mildura on the Sunday night, which was nice. <laughs> we, uh, we, we had we a, did. <laughs> a, a drink or two. but um, Fat Jesus was there. That doesn't count. <laughs> Well, uh, un- unfortunately, uh, I think he's going to be in Darwin as well. So, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry, mate. It's uh, yeah, I guess we could organise things without him knowing. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll see how we go with that. So, uh, fantastic. All right, guys, thanks for uh, for joining us and uh, all the best in Darwin. We'll catch up with you there. Thanks, Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Scoped Out Shooting Optics and Accessories.